And I believe all of these things that are happening that's good is the results of the prayers of the saints being led by the Spirit of God. Things don't happen just because they're supposed to happen. Things don't happen just because of people's personalities or, or even leadership. And we thank God for good leadership. But it happens because people pray and it causes the will of God to take place and nobody can stop it. Thank God for it. So I commend you for praying, amen? Thank God for what he's doing. Well, this morning, the Spirit of God began to deal with me about some things in my personal life and uh, some changes and adjustments he wanted to see me make. So, <laughs> it don't take long to make an adjustment. <laughs> so I made some adjustments, is that all right? And I believe that we all can make some adjustments. But one of the things that he began to talk with me specifically about early this morning is uh, being led by the inward witness. So I want to talk to you about being led by the inward witness. Now I'm not talking about, and there's different ways that God leads and, and all the wonderful ministers here could teach and preach on that, the, you know, how the spirit of God leads us and things like that. But the, the keynote truth that I believe that the Lord wants to get to this generation is how to listen to the inward witness and just quickly, promptly obey the inward witness because he will lead you into truths that your head don't understand. He will keep you out of trouble that you didn't even know trouble was there. But if you'll listen to that witness, you'll have a check, you'll have a stop sign, uh, or you'll have a go-ahead signal that everything's all right, you know, and you can go that way. But if you have a check or a stop sign, even though your head can't explain it, and you don't have a reason for it, you can't say why you shouldn't do this or why you shouldn't go that way, just obey that inward witness and it's gonna be all right. So turn to 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter five. Let's read some scriptures you're familiar with and just stir yourself up. For instance, can I tell on myself? Everybody likes for me to tell on me. I always do. You know, I've been talking about a, a, a Lear 35 jet. You know what I mean? I've been talking about it. I've been talking to people. I mean, experts in the industry. You know, what is an expert? You want to know, right? Brother Hagin says an expert is a little spurt away from home. <laughs> but uh, I've talked to experts in the industry, you know, about them. And oh boy, they just built them up. Oh, yes. This airplane flies fast, flies high. You know, good pressurization gets over all the weather. You know, aircraft are tools for us. They're not status symbols. But uh, so I, I got to listen to these folks, you know, because I was inquiring. It wasn't them hunting me down. I was just searching out there for something more than what we have now to help us especially get above the weather and also get pressurization in an aircraft. Uh, uh, you know, I, I'm a young man but things affect you a little different as you get a little older in life and, uh, and that's when you go to higher altitudes on a consistent basis and come back from those altitudes, then you don't have as much oxygen up there even though I do have oxygen in our present aircraft, it's not the same as what you would call pressurization. You understand that? I know about a pressure cooker. <laughs> I know about a pressure cooker. 
In other words, with aircraft that are pressurized, they have devices on them where they could be flying at 45,000 feet and it would be just as if they were at 5,000 feet because they have more molecules of oxygen per square inch being forced into that aircraft and they call it pressurization. Anybody ever pressurized a milk jug? You ever seen a, a milk jug collapse and blow in it, poof, and it pops out? Well, that's what pressurization is. You take all that hot air you got, you know you got hot air because your neighbor said you do. <laughs> but you're pressurizing it. Or a bottle, if you blow in a bottle, it's collapsing and make that thing, uh, you know, blow out, then you're putting oxygen in that thing and you're pressurizing that bottle or whatever it may be. So anyway, I got to looking at all this, got to researching all these things, and boy, I tell you, they started looking good, uh, gooder and gooder, Reverend Michael, gooder and gooder. He's taught me very well, you know. Gooder and gooder, gooder and gooder. And then I got to talking about it. Got to talking about these Lear 35s. Lear 35, oh yes, Lear 35, because I've been looking at different ones, combustion aircraft, you know, jet aircraft, and all this is a jet aircraft, Lear 35 aircraft. And you buy them reasonable, I mean, very reasonable. I said very reasonable. You could buy one for one-third of what it would cost to buy the aircraft that I own today. <laughs> and so that makes them even look more reasonable. But what they don't tell you is, is what you obtain, you must maintain. You know, once you get that thing, then the maintenance on that aircraft is gonna be real, real expensive because... Uh, that's the way jets are. They charge too much. <laughs> I, I believe it. There's going to be a special place in heaven or hell for the aviation industry. <laughs> I can't believe some of these prices. For instance, can I just tell you the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth? When I had the big twin, the Piper Aztec, six-passenger aircraft, I could go down to the Timken, T-I-M-K-E-N, bearing store and buy wheel bearings. Anybody know what wheel bearings are? Wheel bearings for that aircraft so the mechanic could install them on my aircraft. I could buy the race that the bearing runs in, a little device, the bearing fits up in that thing, and that's called a race, and the bearing for $8. $8! But if I bought that same part number through aviation, it was $88. There's going to be a special place in heaven or hell. I'm just telling you. The same part number, the same baron, made it the same factory, but because it's got aviation on it, it's got to have all this highfalutin stuff. And then there's all kinds of liability involved in it, you know. So anyway, I'm talking about this Lear 35, Lear 35, Lear 35, Lear 35, and the Spirit of God arrested me this morning. Now, he didn't say I couldn't have one. You understand. But this is what he said. He said, watch what you're saying out of your mouth. He said, you can convince yourself by saying it too much that it is my will for you and justify you getting one, and then once you get it, you can't take care of it. He said, you still have to be led by my spirit. He said, because 
you may need to do something in the interim process before you move to that particular aircraft. The wisdom of God is in that, you understand. But if you say it and say it, faith comes by hearing positive or negative. You can override what the Spirit of God is saying to your spirit. I'm talking about that inner witness. You can override it if you just keep talking about it and you can justify you getting a hold of something or getting into something that really you shouldn't get into right now. I've even seen it in churches. You know what I mean? I've seen it in, in churches and in, in good people too, don't get me wrong, good, wonderful pastors and ministers and, and ministerial buildings, traveling ministry offices and things like that. I've, I've seen where churches were growing, they were booming. I mean, everything was going good. The tithes were coming in. People were all excited. The church was going and then all of a sudden they decided to build a building, but they built a, a, built a building out of the excitement of the moment and the momentum that they had presently, not listening to the inward witness. And once they got that building, then things began to change. The crowds were not the same. The finances went down and actually the church had to go bankrupt because it cannot afford to make the payments any longer. You can convince yourself something is God's will when it's not. Now, let's balance it out. If the gift of faith comes on you, go get you 45 Gulfstream 650s. My God, go get them. Forget what I say. But as a general rule, you've got to be led of the Spirit in this sense. He knows what's best for you in your future. He knows where you're at right now. He knows what's going to happen a week from now. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow. He knows what's going to happen in the future. Y'all remember the story about the little five-year-old boy? Y'all remember? Oh, I hadn't told you yet. Okay. Well, years ago, Dad Hagen was teaching along these lines. And uh, they were having lunch. In a, it was some kind of big meeting. They were having lunch together at the church. And there was a lady in the church. Her husband had died at a very young age in an airplane crash. So... While Dad Hagen was teaching on being led by the Spirit of God and how God even speaks to little children. Yes, I said he speaks to little children. It caused this lady whose husband who passed away in the airplane crash to understand some things. So she asked Dad Hagen, can, can I talk with you? He said, yeah, just come and sit at the table with us at lunch. You know, we've got other preachers there. And of course, the pastor knew, knew her well and all. He said, I, I've come to understand some things since I've been in these meetings and you're talking about how to be led the Spirit of God. She said, uh, my husband was called to, to go speak at a funeral, you know, uh, a minister. And he was called to go speak at a funeral and one of his friends had an aircraft, a smaller aircraft, but he's going to fly him to the funeral so he could speak at the funeral and come back. So instead of leaving the little five-year-old boy at home by himself, you know, at three or four or five o'clock in the morning, whatever time they got up to go get in his airplane, you know, to get over to the airport real early, the, uh, uh, they just got the little boy and they laid him in the back sleep on a little pallet, you know, and they took him over the airport. So he's laying there asleep in the back seat of this car. 
And his mom was sitting there, and of course her, her husband, you know, the minister, got in the airplane with his friend. They fired that thing, they pushed it off and popped the clutch, you know, got it going and everything. And then they took off down the runway, and it come off the runway, and it started climbing into the sky. And then all of a sudden, the little boy, the mama sitting in the front seat thinking a little child's asleep at five years old, and he was. But suddenly he sat bolt upright and said, Mama, Mama, Mama. He said, Daddy's not on that airplane, is he? She said, yes, honey, you know he's going to speak Uncle So-and-so's funeral and all that. He said, Mama, Daddy's not on an airplane. Don't he know that airplane's gonna hit that mountain? And no sooner did he got those words out of his mouth, that airplane went into the cloud bank, hit that mountain, killed both of them on board. Now, why didn't the child's daddy know it? He said, why didn't the child's daddy know it? In the excitement of the moment, he overrode what the Spirit of God was trying to say to him. Now, I'm not saying that to put him down. I'm saying let's learn from it. You know what I mean? We're not putting anybody down because if anybody's made a mistake, it's been me. Well, let me tell you right. I've made a lot of mistakes, but I've always made corrections. You know what I mean? And that's where another problem we have. Don't get me off on this. People, seems like today, are more hard-headed than what they used to be. Don't make me tell the truth. When you realize you're wrong, change right then. Don't keep going. You realize you've embraced something or accepted something that is not right, change right then. Because if you don't, you can get some momentum going into a situation where you cannot change. You can get caught up into something. I'm telling you, you can do it. So the Lord told me, he said, watch this morning, told me to watch what you're saying about airplanes. It's like a Lear 35, like, you know, I'm gonna get me a Lear 35. He said, because if you keep saying that, he said, you're gonna convince yourself that it's my will and you're not gonna listen to your spirit. Now, it, that does, now he didn't say I couldn't get one. You understand that? But what he's saying is, you, you need to talk to me first, buddy. You need to inquire of the Lord. You know, David, before he'd go out to the enemy, he'd go inquire of the Lord. Should we go chase this thing or not? Because why? Because he knows what's gonna happen next week. He knows what's gonna happen next month. He knows what's gonna happen next year because you can take your faith and press your way into somewhere just because your faith will work because the word of God is true but then you can get to a place you wish you had not been there before. Y'all remember that fella? You know, Pastor Katie was reminding me of this story today. So in her honor, I'm gonna tell you this story again. It's like that fella down there in the Amant County Swamp, Mississippi. Y'all know where that is, you know. In Amant County, they like to go raccoon hunting down there. And so at night, you go raccoon hunting. So they took the old coon dogs out and and they throwed them out there about midnight and the coon dog struck off down through the woods, the raccoons, you know, chasing raccoons. And all of a sudden they heard them dogs were barking and a scratching. They said, boy, they got one treed. So John, Jerry, and his other buddy, they jumped out of the car, got their pistols and little rifles, you know, and they took off down through the swamp with their lights and their headlamps on. And they got down there and he said, the dogs was at the biggest tree in the Amant County swamp. 
they were biting and a barking and a scratching. They said, we ain't never seen these dogs act like this. Almost frothing at the mouth trying to climb that tree. Them old long-legged coon dogs would, would jump up trying to catch a limb to climb that thing, you know, like it was a cat or something, but a dog is not a cat. But they was just uh, upset about whatever was up in that tree. And so there was a fella that went with them. You know, Jerry's buddy was named John. Y'all remember John. John was a country fella. And John, the only thing he wore between him and God was overalls. And that was it. Uh, he took a shower about once a month, month and a half, whether he needed it or not. You know what I mean? And so there was always no need of any kind of cologne because he carried his own. You know what I mean? It just stuck with him. <laughs> it was musk, you know. It was... It must have been that scent. But anyway, he would roll his britcher legs up on his overhauls and he would run barefooted through the bushes. Now, John's not the only one that done that. I used to go hunting with folks years ago and, and, and the Turner family, and that's exactly the way they were. They run barefooted through the briar patches, deer hunting, running dogs. They were crazy. I would say this, they were out of their mind. The first deer rifle they had, Pastor Tim, was a 410 gauge shotgun with a 30-30 bullet in the barrel. It will fire out of that barrel. There's no telling what's gonna happen when you pull the trigger because there's a big explosion, but they didn't care. Because <laughs> the real deer rifles were too expensive for them to buy. So anyway, John's down there in the Amen County Swamp in Mississippi. Y'all remember where that was? And John didn't believe in uh, shooting no coon out of the tree. He believed in getting a raccoon a, fly, a, fly, a fighting chance. So he always wanted to climb the tree and poke the coon with a stick and knock him out. And then if the coon could whoop the dogs on the ground, then the coon could, raccoon could go to the house. He said, you ever seen a raccoon that mean? Oh, yes. Seen some mean coon dogs too. So John told Jerry... He said, I'm going to climb this tree. Jerry looked at John and said, John. He said, you can't climb this tree. Three men of us right here put our hands together can't reach around here. This tree is so big and there's not a limb anywhere to get to. And it made John mad. So he reached down on the ground, picked up a stick, shoved it down his overhauls and said, get back. And then they said he ejected his fingernails and then his toenails and he hung them in that bark like a cat and he started clawing his way up that tree. And so they started to encourage him because they couldn't stop him. They were going to join him. Knock him out, John. They started to holler, knock him out, John. So finally, John got to one of the limbs, you know, and he got to the next one. And finally, he disappeared in the darkness way up in the top of this big old tree down there in the Amen County Swamp. And then he hollered back down, John did, when he got up to the top. He said, Woo, boys, this is a big one. Woo! He said, it's the biggest raccoon I've ever seen in my lifetime. He said, y'all get ready. The dogs are barking and a snapping and a tearing down there at the bottom of the ground and they're hollering, knock him out, John. So John took that stick out of his overhauls, wrecked around that tree and poked that raccoon, except it wasn't no raccoon. It was a souped up wildcat. Oh, they call them lynxes down there in the Amen County Swamp. And that wildcat got angry with John for hitting him with that stick and jumped on top of John up in that tree. And John's like, whoa, whoa. And they're hollering, knock him out, John. And John, whoa, this cat going in the tree. Now, I'll tell you this. 
John was trying to let the wildcat go, but the wildcat was not participating in the process. You know, it takes two to agree <laughs> to get involved in this. And so John up there in the tree, remember Jerry and his buddies had guns down there on the ground. And he started hollering down there, whoa, shoot this thing. Whoa, shoot this thing. Then holler, knock him out, John. And of course, they don't know what's going on. Finally, they get one of the lights and they realize, oh my Lord, this one of them souped up wildcats, a uh, uh, lynx, they call them, in Amet County Swamp. Uh, and John said, whoa, shoot this thing. Can you imagine if a wildcat had a hold to you and you had a hold to it trying to let it go? Woo! You'd be hollering too. And they hollered back at John. Jerry did up there. He said, John, he said, we can't shoot that thing. He said, we might miss and hit you. John said, just shoot amongst us. One of us has got to have some relief. <laughs> I hear some of you hollering, whoo, shoot this thing, shoot this thing. What's the moral of the story? What you always think you got treed may not be a raccoon. It may be a souped up wildcat and you'll be hollering like John, whoo, shoot this thing, shoot this thing. Because remember what you taught me? What you obtain, you must maintain. So we don't want to override, override the spirit of God that knows our future. He knows what's best for us. But again, if you get to talking something, that doesn't mean you can't dream. That doesn't mean you can't have hopes. And that doesn't mean that you don't exercise your faith, but still always check with the inward witness. Make sure the inward witness is in it with you. Because of that, and that's what the Holy Ghost told me. He didn't tell me I couldn't get a Lear 35 because I could get one. All I got to do is say the word. I said, all I got to do is say the word. Don't make me say it. Don't make me say it. Don't make me say it. But he didn't tell me I couldn't do it. But he said, be wise. He said, don't just go saying that you're going to do it without checking with me first. He said, because I know and you know what it takes to maintain that thing once you get it. Even though you can buy them at a deal because the market's kind of flooded right now. And you can buy them at a very good deal, like one-third of what my aircraft would cost brand new now. Approximately one-third. Jump at a brand new aircraft like mine if you went to the factory. But once you get that thing, then with your engine, if something comes up with it, you got about $115,000. You know what I mean? For an engine. And that thing's got two engines. And then every 12 years, that wing has to come off of that thing. That's over $100,000. Hey, there's nothing wrong. There's plenty of money in the world. And I'm not trying to hinder anybody's faith. But I have seen this, especially in the aviation world. I had a, a minister friend of mine. Your, your Reverend Michael, I know, would know him, but I'm not going to call his name because I'm not talking disparagingly. But I had him call me. Or he had his broker that's trying to sell his airplane call me. Not him personally. I, I, did, he did, I did talk to him personally, but he had his broker call me about the airplane. 
and they was basically trying to give me a nice cabin class aircraft. I mean, for what I mean give, not literally, but for nothing. Why? Because he had gotten into the aviation arena because he had been, can I tell the truth? Starry-eyed, starstruck, you know. I'm the big dog now. I got meetings everywhere. You know, I'm going, you know. The money's rolling in. But he didn't know anything about aviation. He didn't know anything about maintenance. He didn't have pilots. He didn't know how to do any of these things. So he got that plane. And once he got that plane, and he got a good deal on it. You know what he did? He started hollering back down to the ground. He said, Woo! Shoot this thing! Woo! Shoot this thing! And they hollered back, Preacher, we can't shoot that thing. We might hit you. He said, Just shoot amongst us. One of us has got to have some relief because financially it was not good for him to have that airplane, and the Holy Ghost knew it before he ever got it. But you can override what the Holy Ghost is saying to your spirit, convincing yourself with words from your mouth. I think one of the things that the Spirit of God was speaking to me about today is that, that helps us miss the Holy Ghost the most is human reasoning. Human, human reasoning causes us to miss the Holy Ghost. Not just in that, but in a lot of things. We try to reason, well, I could do this and make that happen, do this and make that happen, do this and make that happen. And then you finally, if you keep on reasoning, talking about it, saying those things, discussing it among people, and there's nothing wrong with discussion, nothing wrong with reasoning, as long as it's reasoning with the Holy Ghost. Letting him help you, you know. But you can, human reasoning causes more people to miss the Holy Ghost and the Spirit of God and the inner witness, I believe, than any other thing. Human reasoning. Because when you get into human reasoning, you get into justification. You justify. This is all right. This is fine. This is okay. God don't mind. He wants me to have the best. Certainly he does. But he don't want you to be choked with the best. Jesus told Dad Hagen, he said, I'm not opposed to my children being rich. He said, if they'll learn to listen to the inward witness, he said, I'll make them rich. He said, I'm not opposed to them being rich, but I am opposed to them being covetous. You know what I mean? So he's not opposed, and I'm not trying to, again, hold anybody back. But also, we want to be real when it comes to following God. Now, we're talking about here in a, from a natural perspective, you know, I'm talking about airplanes. It could be money. It could be cars. It could be obtaining buildings uh, and things, all kinds of stuff, you know. It could be any of that. But also, the Lord told me this morning, he said also applies to spiritual things. He said, many people miss my will through human reasoning in the spirit realm. They justify that this is what God is saying because so-and-so said it or so-and-so is popular, or the majority of the body of Christ is going that way, and they get the reasoning, well, what, what could be bad with it? You know, what could be wrong with it? Human reasoning is the number one thing that's wrong with it. Human reasoning is where people justify 
that it's okay to miss the Holy Ghost. Because you can reason things out. And I believe that human reasoning is the number one reason that we miss the will of God. Because we get to reasoning what this right here is this. And again, this is what the Lord told me this morning. I didn't think this up in my natural mind. He just began to talk to me. He said, this will help you. In fact, I'll tell you the way he told it to me. I didn't know if you could handle it or not. He said, don't bite off no more than you can chew. <laughs> That's good country talk for city folks. You know what I'm talking about? The words, make sure that you're ready to make this step before you make it. He's not against me making the step, but just make sure you're ready. How do you make sure that inward witness? Not necessarily a voice, not an angel appearing, but the number one way that God's gonna lead us is through that inward witness. Do you know it would solve a lot of problems if we would just listen to the inward witness? When you have a check about something, you don't know why in your head through human reasoning and you try to just, just forget human reasoning. If you've got a check, just obey it. Back away from it. If you've got a, a good sense about it, a velvety-like feeling, it's what Jesus told Brother Hagin, if you've got that, okay, go ahead. Regardless of what your head's telling you. Back years ago, Dad Hagin uh, had a board member that got a hold to, he, he wasn't a board member at the time, but he got a hold to, the, to the, that tape about how to develop the human spirit. Remember that gentleman. He's still teaching, I think it was Mr. Harrison. Bob, I think. But anyway, he, was on, he eventually became a Brother Higgins board. He took $50, $50, and through investments over a period of about two and a half to three years at the most, became a multi-millionaire. $50. The way he done it was through the inward witness. And what he was talking to Dad Hagen at that time, he was working on a deal that would make him $100 million. Listen, remember me when you come into your kingdom. <laughs> when you come into your kingdom. But he equated it all to taking those principles on how to train the human spirit. Dr. Kennedy Hagen had a thing about that, you know. I think there was five steps about how to train the human spirit. And he took that, and he took that $50, and then through investing, doing the right thing, listening to his spirit, that God made him a multi-millionaire in less than three years. And he worked on deals, again, that would make $100 million per deal. Now, we're not in it for just the money. But do you know people are anointed to make money? It's in the church. It's in the Bible. And, and I'm talking about people in the church. In fact, I have seen some people that have anointed to make money and they think that they're called into the ministry when they're called to make money for the ministry. I've got a good friend of mine right now I'm thinking of. That man, everything he touched turns to gold. But he keeps trying to start churches and do all this other kind of stuff and he's not anointed to do it. Don't make me come back there. I said, listen here, you just go make the money and give it to me. I, 
and he's blessed too, you know. But he just you can just see it on people. So they are, it's part of the Bible. It's part of the giftings and equipments because I'm not preaching that tonight. But the thing about I'm talking about is being led by that inward witness. Let God lead you and guide you in all the affairs of life. Now, all that came out just by opening the Bible. It's amazing if we read the scripture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. The Bible says, a scripture we're familiar with, says the Bible says, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice what it says. says, the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what this scripture does is gives us a glimpse into the human makeup. It shows us that we are, number one, a spirit being. Number two, we possess a soul. And number three, we live in a physical body. With my spirit, I contact the spiritual world. I contact God. With my soul, I contact the mental, emotional world. And then with my body, I contact the physical world. Has anybody ever made contact with a physical world with your body? Has anybody ever tripped or flipped <laughs> or slipped? You have made contact with the physical world. But just like you can make contact with the physical world, you can make contact with the world that God lives in with your spirit. But many times we're more soul conscious than we are spirit conscious. In the solical realm is where the reasoning, human reasoning takes place in the mental realm. We think about things. There's nothing wrong with using your mind. Granny said you need to keep a little something to work with up there, you know. So there's nothing wrong with using your brains and using your mind and using good common sense. But there's also, we can't let human reasoning override what the Spirit of God is saying to our spirit. Isn't that right? So you are, and I am, a spirit being. I possess a soul, and I live in a physical body. With my spirit, I contact the spiritual realm. I contact God. That's the way he communicates with me. With my soul, I contact the mental realm, the emotional realm, the intellectual realm. That's what I do. That's what my mind and will and emotions is involved in that. And then with my body, I contact this physical world. In fact, uh, uh, your backside is connecting with a chair right now. You know what I mean? In the physical realm. And you make adjustments every now and then. I, I know, I've been on that end of it too on what you call the receiving end. I, I know that. So you understand that. But the primary way that the Spirit of God is going to communicate with you or with me is through my human spirit. And that's what we need to become very, very efficient in. In this day, it's going to be imperative that we listen to the Spirit of God 
because there's so much error and false doctrine that's going on. Because there's a move of God that must take place in this earth that we're in the edges of right now. But this move of God has to be stewarded. And other moves of God have been aborted because of human reasoning and intellectual ideas. Most every major move of God was not stewarded correctly. And I'm not against attacking anybody. But you go back to the Azusa Street and look at hysterically. You call it historically, but hysterically of what happened there. And Pastor Tim knows all these hysterical things. Ask him. He, he's, he's good at this stuff, you know. <clears throat> but if you go back and look, <clears throat> you can see what caused that move of God to wane there is because people got into intellectualism and human reasoning and it caused problems. Instead of being led by the Spirit of God, by the inward witness. The reason that God has had to wait so long about this last day move is because he's tried to get us ready through the word and spirit to steward this move that's coming so it would not be aborted. Because it's going to start with a glory and power, but it's going to have to be kept on track. And you know how it's going to be kept on track? It's going to be kept on track by the doctrines of the word of God. If we get away from biblical sound doctrine at any time it starts taking us in a move of God down the wrong path <clears throat> because in these moves of God and when God gets to moving real quickly and things begin to happen miraculously people get all, all kind of ideas through human reason and intellectualism about this is God and I'm going this way because we're just having a good time for instance I had an internationally known minister call me once I mean I don't say this to lift myself up or put them down just to make a point, I'm not calling any name. But this international minister called me. They don't call me anymore because I started bringing them back to the word. And I say, what's the word say? <clears throat> but we was about to go into this pretty large Holy Ghost meeting. International known minister. This international known minister said, uh, <clears throat> Brother Randy, I said, no, I ain't talked to you in a while, but uh, I'd like to run something across you. I said, sure. I said, I don't know how I can help you, you know, but said, I think I've got a new anointing now. I said, you do? I said, oh, oh, you do? You know, and I'm thinking, well, what is it? The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. That should be the first indicator. I've got a new anointing now. And this anointing is like nobody else has ever had or ever experienced. There's nothing new under the sun. You're going the wrong way already. You don't even have to reason this thing. So I can't wait to hear what it is. I don't know if it's turning buffaloes into cows or what. You know, I, I don't. <laughs> Giraffes into zebras, you know, what, what is it? <laughs> and this person said to me, said, I've discovered when I lay hands on people and they're out of the will of God, I start gagging. And I thought, oh my God. <laughs> This is my elder. This is my elder. They're supposed to be leading me. I just got quiet. They said, what'd you get quiet for? I said, well, they said, I want to know what you think. I said, okay, 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 hold on. And I knew I had to tell the truth. I said, the first thing I think about is number one, what does the word say? 
I said, I have researched from Genesis to Revelations and I've never yet discovered the gag anointing. <laughs> have you? I'm telling you. Human reasoning can override what the Spirit of God is doing. And I'm talking about moves of God too. Holy Ghost moves that are not stewarded correctly because they get into false doctrine. And I said, another thing. I said, you can't prove it the word. And I said, you can't show me or tell me about anybody that ever had any experience like you did or you have. And if they did, if it didn't agree with the word, I'm not going to accept it anyway. I said, then the next thing, the third thing is, I said, if you get up in this meeting and tell these preachers that you got a new anointing, I said, it's going to flatline your ministry right then when you tell them I've got the new gagging ministry. I said, I'll tell you the truth. If I'm out the will of God, don't lay your hands on me and puke on me. <laughs> That's what they're talking about. They got a puking anointing. Now, we're laughing about it, but where does somebody come up with that? Intellectualism and human reasoning. What would have settled the issue? What does the Bible say? What does it say in the Word of God? So this move that we're moving into, the Spirit of God said to me this morning, He said, the reason it's been delayed like it has in its fullness, He said, there must be people qualified to steward this move. And there are people, I believe this even right here in this room, because we're going to be sticklers for the word and we're not going to violate the word. Now, let's balance this out. I'm not saying there might not be something that takes place that we don't have exact chapter and verse four, but it's going to be examined by the presbytery and the elders and we're not going to swallow anything that comes along, and we're not going to embrace anything that comes along, and we're certainly not going to accept false doctrine, regardless of where it comes from, whatever. So all of this that I'm talking about has to do with the move of God, even though it seems like it don't. Well, that's what the Lord started talking to me about, but he started talking to me from a natural perspective. The natural comes before the spiritual, 1 Corinthians 15. And then he brought me into the spirit. He said, if you don't learn it here, he said, you're not going to be able to steward the things and graces that will come in your life. All of us, not just me. We've got to learn to steward the gifts that God gave us. In other words, keep it headed in the right direction. Don't get out of balance. Don't get off focused. So this move of God that's coming, you can imagine somebody gets up and tell you they got a new anointing. You know, I got a gag and anointing. I may lay hands on you. If I gag, you had the will of God. <laughs> Listen, you're not to be led by me or any other human being. I, let me say it again. You're not too, too much in agreement. You're not to be led by me or any other human being. You should know the Holy Ghost for yourself. Now, that doesn't mean that somebody can't speak into your life, or, or, you know, but as far as direction goes, you should have a witness in your spirit. Somebody may confirm it, you know what I mean? The gifts may confirm it, and it's absolutely scriptural to do that. But still, you should know something about it. And I do say this, there's probably times that we, 
we may have got into the uh, mental realm, intellectual realm, the reason realm too much, and we're not picking up what God says to our spirit, and then God may say something to you, but you need to pray about it. But if somebody speaks to you something or gives you a word, then make sure you got it in your spirit before you act on it. You know what I mean? It'll help you in the long run. Certainly will. Turn to Romans chapter eight. So you are a spirit being, you possess a soul, you live in a physical body, isn't that right? And so you could get into this in much more detail, but I'm just hitting the, the high points tonight. Why? Because the Spirit of God dealt with me about this today. Again, he took me from the natural over to the spiritual about the move of God because that's what he's ultimately concerned about, the move of God and it being stewarded correctly. The Azusa Street uh, revival, you know, that took place in the early 1900s, you know, it waned because of human reasoning and people missing God and false doctrine. The voice of healing days that Dad Hagen was involved in and one of the key leaders involved in all of that, uh, all of that waned because of human reasoning, false doctrine, and all kinds of stuff. Got into false doctrine, I'm telling you. Brother Hagen said many of the ministers of that day that were anointed of God got totally away from what they were anointed to do. And I, I'll put, add this to it through human reason intellectualism saying, well, this is the way I'm going. Uh, God will go with me just because he likes me. Yeah, God likes us, but he wants us to follow him, right? Not for the Lord to follow us. They had it wrong. And when you get to floating like a butterfly and sting like a bee, you'll think you're Muhammad Ali. Said, oh, I can just do anything, Lord, to be with me. No, you can't. You're to follow the Lord. He doesn't follow you. And that's the truth. And I say that kindly. Romans chapter eight, you had me turn there. Scripture you're familiar with. The Bible says, as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Could it mean in reverse that if you're not led by the spirit of God, you're not acting like a son of God? But he says, as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. But could it mean also in reverse, just looking at it backwards, if you're not led by the Spirit of God, you're not acting like a son of God because he wants to lead us. Remember, be led by the Spirit of God, not you leading the Spirit. The Spirit is leading you. And there is a difference, isn't that right? So we all want to be led by the Spirit of God and we all want to steward our lives, our families, our businesses, I'm telling you, if you're a businessman that's in this place tonight, you start praying. I know you're busy. I know you got things that's going on. But if you'd start getting up early before you go to work, don't make me, I'm telling you, and get down on your knees and ask God for help. God will cause you to prosper beyond your wildest dreams. And any problem you've got in your business, he's the best counselor on the planet He'll send you the help you need. He'll send you the money you need and he'll put you in a position you need to be in if you'll listen to him. But he's not gonna force anything on you. Dad Hagen used to say this over the years. I heard him and I just picked up on that. He said, there's some things the Lord will not tell you unless you ask him. He'll just let you go and go. But if you'll stop and ask him, I'll guarantee you he'll tell you. Now, I'm not saying he's going to immediately that moment give you the answer, 
but you just keep the pot boiling on the stove. You know what I mean? And just keep it up before the Lord in faith. And I'll guarantee you every time the Lord will have an answer to your question and he'll have a solution to your problem. Every time he'll help you. So just try that. I know if we don't watch it, we can get so busy, we can get in the intellectual realm, even in business. I know, I've been there. I used to be in the business world. And I know how it is. It can get into human, I don't have time. I mean, we run and pray, you know, because you do get busy, but things just don't work the same. But if you'll just stop, drop, and pray, and seek God, he'll help you. <clears throat> and now you say, well, Brother Randy, I'm not in business. I'm glad you have inquired. He'll do the same for you. What kind of problems do you got in your family? What kind of financial needs do you have? What kind of opposition are you facing with your children? Maybe Johnny or Susie is, you know, having problems and you're trying to help them and you just don't, don't really know what to do. And maybe they're facing issues with other kids at school, you know, everything. And you're wondering, what do I do? And what you do as a mom and a dad, we get in the intellectual realm. Well, I can do this, I go see this, I'll go whoop the teacher, I'll whoop the principal, you know, I'll, I'll do everything and I'll call the pastor and say, I repent of all my sins, you know, and all this stuff because we're in, and I'm not saying there's not times you might not need to say something. And make sure the anointing's on you, like Samson when you say it, my God, and pull the temple down, my Lord Jesus. No, what I'm saying is, if you'll pray about it and ask the Lord for a solution to the situation, he'll give it to you. He will. He has an answer to every question. He has a solution to every problem on planet Earth. The Lord does and he'll give it to you. So it works in every room. Financially, as a family, if you'll start seeking God, I'll guarantee you God will bless you. Because he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. He wants you to be blessed financially. As long as you put him first, he wants you. So I'd encourage you to go and spend time with him in prayer. And I thank you for doing so because I got faith in you. I may have more faith in you than you have in yourself, but I have faith in you. Listen, if, if I can make it, I'm, I'm not saying I've arrived, but if I can make it, anybody can make it. If I can do it, anybody can do it. I have 11th grade edumacation. That's my bragging rights. <laughs> and I've got me a degree though. I've got an LLDR degree. That's a long-legged devil runner. <laughs> so when I got short legs, we get you an SLDR degree. <laughs> and it's not God's fault. I mean, my son, he's got all them highfalutin things. I'm not against education. He's got all that, and many people here have. I, I, you know, I admire you for that. He went and finished up his master's. I call it, he walked the plank. <laughs> walked the plank, pushed him off, you know, and aviation in space, and, and I joke with him all the time. I said, they're going to need somebody to fly that monkey to Mars, son. <laughs> I said, they're going to be, NASA's going to be calling you. You've already been to NASA once with him. I said, NASA's liable to call you to fly that monkey to Mars. I said, who is that monkey? It's some of them folks at Patrick Tim Church. <laughs> 
joking. I'm joking. No, they ain't sending monkeys no more. They sending men. And they're sending women up there. You know, they, they claim they're going up there and they're supposed to launch a rocket. They were trying to get it out this year. And they're supposed to take this thing and sling it around the moon, moon like a slingshot and, and bring it back. They're trying out the most powerful rockets that's ever been made on the planet that's going to take them to Mars. The only thing I didn't like at NASA, we was meeting with these officials, you know, about how to get there. I, the first thing I think about as a pilot is, uh, you know, how fur is it? <laughs> That's good country talk for city folks. Well, it's about this far. I said, how do y'all know? Has anybody ever took a measuring tape and went out there <laughs> and drew it back to earth? <laughs> Are y'all just guesstimating this thing? They say the sun is 93 million miles away from the earth. Who in the world ever measured it? <laughs> Pastor Tim, forgive me. I know you got to teach these things, but who measured it? What if they got it wrong? I said, how are you going to have enough fuel to go up there and come back? Because if I go, I want to come back. He said, right now, we don't know. I said, you got any ideas? He said, yes. I said, what's NASA's ideas? He said, park fuel tanks in that space. Take them up and shoot them up on rockets and park them out there in orbit. And they go by there, dock with that thing, put the fuel on and take off. I said, how long does it take you to get there? He said, we really don't know. <laughs> and I said, you want me to go? I said, I ain't a going. Take my son. <laughs> I ain't getting on that rocket with that monkey. I can tell you that right now. You ain't taking me up there. Because they really don't know. They're guesstimating it'll be a, a less than a year. Some say eight months. But it's going to be a long ways. And I mean in this little bitty tiny thing too. Whew. They're practicing living in conditions, you know, already for this. Anyway, if they call you about getting on the rocket to Mars, pray about it first. That's right. That's how I'm tying it into my message. Just pray about it. Because I have heard some of these wizards, I mean, that know this stuff, these engineers that know this stuff, you know, about how much strength a bolt and a nut and a washer has and can tell you how much pressure you can put on it and when it's going to explode and all this stuff. But they still can't tell you all the tiny details. You pray about it and make sure you've got a witness in your spirit. And if you don't have a witness in your spirit, don't get in no capsule with no doggone monkey and let them like the end of it. I can tell you the truth about it. You notice how they do those folks anyway? You notice how they march them up to that spacecraft, you know, down there sitting in the smokes of boiling out everywhere. They do that to disguise the danger where the guys can't see walking through the fog, you know what I mean? And then they put them in this little bitty door and shove them in, knock them in. Then they take and strap them down, boom, where they can't get out. And they like that rocket, bang! And then after that thing finally rumbles the whole earth, you know, and they holler at them finally and say, hey, y'all still alive up there? <laughs> Woo! Be led by the Spirit of God in everything you do. Never override the inward witness. If you start overriding the inward witness on a consistent basis, it'll get calloused. You ever seen people with calloused hands? Probably people sitting in here has got calloused hands. They can take their hands and grab a hold to things and do things with them that people that don't have calloused hands 
cannot do without them bleeding and getting sore. Isn't that right? Because they've worked with their hands, the people with good callous hands have worked with them so long they could do a lot more with them. And, and, and of course, they're numb to the pain that somebody else would have that had tender hands. Well, that's the same way it is when it comes, listen to that inward witness. If you just constantly override and override and override that inward witness, you'll become callous, so to speak, in your spirit. And you'll get to where you won't know what's God's will and what is not God's will. So what do you do on a consistent basis to stay sensitive to the things of God and to what the Spirit of God is saying? Number one, read, study, and meditate on the Word of God consistently. Number two, spend time praying in the Holy Ghost. And then number three, never say out of your mouth that you don't know God's will, that you don't know what to do. Because I find that that people are doing this and, and they'll say, well, I believe that God's leading me. You know, then the next thing they'll say is, I don't know what to do. I just wish I knew what to do. And, and of course, there are times that you may need advice and you may do examine things. I'm not saying that. But if you're constantly going around saying out of your mouth, I don't know what to do, then you're not going to know what to do. Because why? You're not going to trust your spirit because your head still took the place of the leading and guiding that you're supposed to be going by. Turn to Proverbs. You've been waiting for this. Proverbs somewhere, I think, chapter 20 or somewhere in there. What do you think? Is it all right? Proverbs chapter 20. And again, how did I get on this? The Spirit of God. He just dealt with me and he said this to me in my spirit today and in, as I was praying and, and meditating. He said, you're going to have to major on this. Major. Not minor on it. Major. He said, because this move of God, and the, again, it was all starting. Now, I know it started in natural, but it brought it up to the Spirit. He said, this move of God has to be stewarded correctly. If you don't, it's going to be aborted, the move of God. The voice of healing days, it was aborted with Brother Hagin's day. It lasted approximately nine, no more than 10 years. The major move <clears throat> stopped because intellectualism, human reason got in, false doctrine got in, and it messed up the whole thing. But Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27, <clears throat> the Bible says, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. You could say it like this, the spirit of man is the light or the light bulb of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. In other words, the Lord's gonna lead us and guide us in our innermost being. And that's directly in our spirit, our human spirit. This is where we hear from God. And we thank God that he's leading us. We thank God that he's guiding us. We thank God he's directing us just like his word said he would. So as you are going through life, remember that God dwells in you. When you are born again, the spirit of God comes into your spirit and you become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things pass away and all things become new. In fact, one thing that happens at that time is the law of God is written in your spirit. And you instantly know what's right and what's wrong. 
you know what's sin and you know what's righteousness. Can I prove that out in my own life? I remember I was driving down the road, I shared my testimony here and over at Erie and I was talking about the experience of where I gave my life to the Lord on my third escape from prison there in Galveston, Texas on Seawall Boulevard. The moment I was born again, sitting on that roadside, nobody had to tell me that robbery was wrong. I, I instantly knew it. Nobody had to tell me that cussing was wrong, that smoking and drinking was wrong, and womanizing was wrong. I, I knew it. I knew it wasn't right. It was written in my heart. The law of God was written in my heart because the Spirit of God wrote His law in my spirit. And to this day, if you're born again, you know if you miss it. You already know it. I just told Pastor Tim, I said, I just repent all the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? If I, if I think, you know, I mean, just I keep myself soft. You know what I'm talking about? I'm not talking about this blatant uncontrolled sin. I keep myself soft and tender. If I realize that maybe, you know, maybe... Maybe I didn't just get that right. Maybe I, you know, and I just say, Lord, I'm sorry. And it's not like he's there condemning me. It's my own spirit. Not God sitting there ready to kill me. But I, I just make an adjustment. Why? Because I don't want to become calloused in hearing from God. I want to be sensitive to him all the time. I thought, well, I, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, Lord, Lord, forgive me. You know, I, I shouldn't have done that, you know, or something, you know. Lord, just forgive me. That's, that's, so that's what I'm talking about. Just keep a tender heart. Be quick to repent. Be quick to forgive. And be quick to obey God. Because if you don't, you'll get a callous spirit. And But God, I'm telling you, this move that we're in, all of us, not just the preachers, but all of us are going to have to be sensitive to God. And we're not going to let the devil dupe us and deceive us like's happened in most other major moves of God where the devil got in the camp and tore the whole thing apart. This move that we're entering into now will usher in the second coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You and I are part of that. We're part of this move and we must steward these things correctly. A good steward. How? By staying on the truth of God's word, not allowing false doctrine in any way. That doesn't mean that we kill somebody the first time they make a mistake or get into error. You know, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying being mean or obnoxious or rude. But Paul talked about these things. It's very important to keep the flow pure. Isn't that right? Keep the stream pure. Because when you allow impurities to get in, it messes it up. If you don't believe it, ask Ananias and Sapphire. God knew that the move of God in his day could not be aborted. And when evil came up in the early church, he dealt with it swiftly. And Ananias and Sapphire fell dead. I mean dead. Why? There was a major move of God that would birth the early church to get a foundation going. Well, this latter church that we're in is just important or maybe as important or more important than the early move because it's important that we stay on the right path. And I believe that God is going to allow these things to happen as we get to further and further into this move. So we want to steward the moves of God. So also, we want to be led by the Spirit of God. 
want to make sure that we're hearing his voice. And that's why the Lord told me. Remember, he began to talk to me about natural things. And then he got me over to the spirit. He said, now it's not just about the natural. It's not just about the natural. He said, this is just part of it. He said, it's about stewarding the move of God. And he said, if you miss it here, you miss it here, talking about the natural, he said, I can't use you there. It's important to get it right. Turn to 1 Corinthians 15. You keep agging me on. Reverend Michael over there, he keeps looking at me, so I know he wants me to turn to this scripture. And I want you to understand this, and I say this uh, as carefully as I can. This is not me saying these things. There's no way that I could even think this stuff up. This comes from the Holy Ghost. So pay attention to him. This is God speaking. And standing in this place, you know, one of the things that we do standing in this place that the Lord permits me to stand in is you speak for God. You know what I mean? Don't mean you are God, but you speak for God. You get the mind of God for that moment, for that season, for that hour. Many people think the prophetic is somebody prophesying over somebody all the time. That's a very, very small part of it. Many times when the prophetic is in operation, many folks in the church world don't even know it. But you do. Amen? You do. You told me to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In verse number 45. 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 45. The Bible says, And so it is written, The first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam, who was Jesus Christ, was made a quickening spirit. So he's making an analogy here of, of two Adams. The one that was in the Garden of Eden created by God, he said, this Adam was made a living soul. <clears throat> the last Adam, who was Jesus Christ, was made a quickening spirit. But this is what I want to get to, verse 46. It said, howbeit, that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward, that which is spiritual. In other words, the natural came before the spiritual and that's how God dealt with me this morning. He dealt with me about natural things but then he brought it over into the spiritual realm and showed me how they applied to spiritual side of the church world and so how it was important to, for me to not only to steward the natural side of my life correctly but if I didn't steward that correctly then it was going to influence and affect the way he would be able to use me in stewarding the move of God correctly. And I'm not talking about I'm the head of the move of God. Don't get me wrong about that. I'm just talking about staying on focus, staying on the right path, and being sure to be led by his spirit and not allow false doctrine to enter in because if we do, then the move of God is going to be aborted. And it doesn't mean it's going to stop God's plan, but it means that we in this generation will not have part in it, but we're going to have part in it. 
Dad Hagen said to me, and I believe it applies to all of us, that we're going to be right in the middle of this last day in time move of God. I believe that. But in order to do it, we make sure that we're led by his spirit, that he's leading us, he's guiding us, he's directing us, and then we're going to come out on top. So I believe you got it. Hadn't you got it? You just act like you got it. Just act like by faith you got it. I've got it in the name of Jesus. You are a spirit being, you possess a soul, you live in a physical body. With your human spirit, you contact God. That's where you're led by. With your soul, you contact the intellectual realm, the emotional realm, the mental realm, the human reasoning realm. You can use your noggin. There's nothing wrong with using your brain, but just make sure God's involved in it. Then with your physical body, you contact the physical world. Isn't that right? And all of us have contacted the physical world in one way or the other since the time we was knee-high to grasshoppers jumping ditches with soda crackers. We have contacted the physical world. So let's just make it a point that we're going to be sensitive to what God is saying to us because that's going to determine this move of God today and how we're going to be part of it. God is looking for some people that's going to be stable that's going to be steady, that's going to be mature, that's not going to get into false doctrine, that's not going to embrace things that's not from the Bible because these things are coming on the forefront more and more, more and more. And again, I'm not out to attack anybody or put anybody down, but I'm a stickler for the word because I want to know what the word says. And if it's not in the word, if it doesn't agree with the word, I'm not going with it because the spirit of God inside of me is always going to agree with the word. Isn't that right? So this is our time. This is our finest hour. This is our finest day. And God wants to lead you in a supernatural way. In your ministry, in your pastorate, in your business, in your family, in your finances, physically, in your body. He wants to lead you into victory in every single area. We were singing about that in a song here at church here tonight. Isn't that right? Our dear brother here was leading us in the praise and worship team, leading us about that song. And we thank God for it. Father, we thank you for the Holy Ghost. I know you were blessed by this message. If you would like to receive more information about Randall Greer Ministries, or if you'd like to receive our free newsletter, just let us know. We'd be happy to send it to you. Just write us at Randall Greer Ministries, P.O. Box 2227. Owasso, Oklahoma, 74055. Or you can contact us at our website, www.rgm.me. And remember, God is always with us.